Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Bing bong, bing bong, bing bong, bing bing, 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 bing Oh, you're doing James Bond. Did you not understand? Did you not hear it? I didn't know it? what you were doing. <laughs> what about my little fingers I was doing? I was doing some gun fingers. James Bond doesn't do gun <laughs> fingers. He uses a real gun, a real tiny little gun. <laughs> oh, like a toy gun, like a cap gun. No, he's, a, you know, he's got like that Like a tiny, Home Alone gun. You know, he's got that tiny little gun that he's been married to oh, for 60 yes, years or whatever. He loves a yeah. tiny little gun. I love a tiny little gun. I bet you bloody do. You'd <laughs> no. hope so at least. Uh, what are we doing this week? Hello, this is just a podcast, a podcast that we recommend you things to watch, read and listen to. My name is Claire. James is here also. You know, you know how I'd we love, are married. That's true, but you know how I'd love to open this show. I'd love to say welcome to Suggestible, the award-winning Australia's <laughs> most popular <laughs> podcast. Something, some variation on that. You know what? Me too. Last week I was all, oh, I don't know about this. And then this week I'm like, women power. Back yourself, woman. We would love you to vote for us in the Australian right. Podcasting Awards. Please vote for us. Links ha- below. All Thank you got to do is uh, put in an email address. They will not spam you with garbage, probably. No, it's totally free. You it takes it, literally five seconds. Yep, you can do it anywhere in the world. Some people have been doing it for multiple email addresses, which we... Don't condone. I feel bad condone. about that. Yeah. No, but please vote for us because we would love that. And we've bloody, we've done this show a lot. Through the pandemic. How many episodes have we done? We've done over a hundred. That's that's two years or something. Yeah, long time. Mm. But also I have to say this. We have the best bloody listeners. I think people who are suggestible fans are often fans of the Weekly Planet but they really find their home at Suggestible. Okay, I'll, t- I'll say They're this the, then. the creme de la creme of your listeners. Maybe that's true. So you're <laughs> going with the carrot. I'm going to go with the stick. If you don't vote for us, we're not going to do the Sex and the City recaps. <laughs> Starts on December 9th. <sighs> we're planning on doing it. I guess we're probably going to drop it into this feed maybe. Yeah, I was thinking, oh, and I came up with a name. It's not what that exciting. It? Suggestible in the City. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> but I'm married to it now. And just like Guestable. <laughs> <laughs> That's better. They're both terrific. Or what about and just suggestible? No, and but, just why don't people write in? Just give suggestible. Us a, yeah, give us a suggestion. I thought suggestible in the city was great, and then I realised one of my favourite podcasts of the last year or so has been Dolly Alderton's "Sentimental in the City." Oh, so okay. I feel like we would be, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. taking that. However, also part of me was like, but it's great. But yeah, also we would take recommendations Definitely. or names. For she's balls. Should we? Uh, should we get started? Do you want to suggest like that? That's pretty good. That's but a good again, thing. any other recommendations? Are Correct. Welcome. And we will be doing this over our summer break. A little. That's bit, right. Which... We're not going to work except for the Sex of the City. I recap. know because it's my Force Awakens. That's right. Break. I've been. It is. I am so excited for it, and it's hyping me up. I saw the trailer. Sarah Jessica Parker's face looks a bit 
old and it was so great to see because women looking their age is wonderful. It was like when the, uh, the Emperor returned. It's when the Emperor returned in the new Star Wars and everyone was like, that look, that's great. He looks terrible, but he's still getting out there. <laughs> Good on him. No, it doesn't. No. And this is, I actually really want to be serious about this for one minute. Okay. One of the reasons why I am so excited about And Just Like That, even though potentially it could be terrible, the second movie was terrible and corny and awful and actually offensive, to be honest. Mm. And they don't, they're not um, having Kim Cattrall reprise <laughs> the role of Samantha, which also, goodness, terrible. Excuse me. Are you right there? <laughs> Coughing Sorry. through my Force Awakens commentary. Sorry, apologies. Um, but one of the reasons that I'm so excited for this is that Sarah Jessica Parker is an incredible looking woman and I'm sure potentially she's had some work done, who knows, but she looks ostensibly like a woman in her 50s. Yeah. Right? And so does Cynthia Nixon, I think, as well. And they've and she's actually let her hair go grey as well, which Powerful I think stuff. is just I know you think I know that's sarcasm. But No, I'm with but, you. I'm with, look at me. Look but, at me. I look but, like a ghost. Yeah. No, but so often though, men get to age on TV yeah. and film and they just get to age and still be sexy. Like we're gonna talk about the Bond film today. And yes. look, Daniel Craig is an example. He's visibly aged. I mean, he looks amazing yeah. for his age, but he's visibly aged, but he still gets to be the sexy action hero with the hot, you know, women everywhere. Hot women everywhere. Um, and I just it's so refreshing and grounding to see women whose faces on like on screen whose faces I actually recognize particularly women that I've really admired and that's not to say that women who have had a lot of botox or other injectables or whatever they've done that isn't to say that that's a terrible thing to do i think everyone has to make their whatever own choices whatever makes you happy yeah and also you know some of those things can give people a real boost and help assist in their career, particularly in this industry. So I totally get that. It's just it offers another choice for women and it celebrates age and I think that's so great and I'm really hopeful that And Just Like That will celebrate the passing of time and what actually happens when women enter into that decade. Sure. That's what I'm hoping for. I probably... Well, I hope it's bad so I can make fun of it. (laughs) Getting my tiny heart crushed. I think the worst thing would be is if it's like... And I always say this, if it's middling, yeah. you know, middling is like boring to talk about, you know, it's like, it's, it's not interesting to watch or it's you not either fun. Want, it's just like, eh. it's just like, but if it's really good or really terrible, fascinating stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, I can't, I cannot tell from the trailer where it's going to land. Yeah. I really don't. I'm, I, I think it's got the potential that it could be really good. It's got the potential that it could be spectacularly mm. corny and bad because I know even the first film, just even though I loved that There's film. There's not much to it really, is there? Well, there's some really iconic moments and costuming is really cool, but I also think that there's some very corny moments that kind of miss the mark about why fans are watching. I yes, they're watching for the shoes and all of that stuff, but oh, I don't know. I don't think – I think the problem with that movie as well is it doesn't really do anything at the end. Like they're pretty much back in the same spot. Like yeah. she, they're going to get married and then that whole thing falls apart and there is that really heartbreaking moment where like, you know, she's on her own and then at the end she's just like, and then, but we did get married and Samantha Again? or whatever, Samantha. Oh, no, Samantha broke up with what's-his-name, but who cares? Yeah, she did, but I know, and I think that because even when we're talking about you know, that trajectory of a romantic love story, the character of Mr. Big in real life, I just don't think that he, that they would actually end up together, which like, yeah. but then I also, part of me thinks, but don't we want to watch this for a little bit and of also, fairy tale? Aren't they both know? awful? 
Like better than ruin each other than be out in the world ruining other people. But I hope he dies in the show. Anyways, do you want to talk about James Bond? I've already talked about it on the weekly I do want to talk about it. I do want to talk about it. Correct. Yeah. Let's go. Excellent. So I have some thoughts. Yeah. Do you want to hear them? I would love to hear them. Okay, here's the things I've written down first up. Billie Eilish theme song. Bloody brilliant. Haunting. Haunting? Haunting. Haunting. Haunting his <laughs> no, move. It's haunting. It slowly builds to a climax in just the right Bond-esque way. Ooh. And the opening titles are just everything you want with the moving pictures and all the gloomy falling things. It's got a little bit of a thing like Mad Men to it. You know, yeah. the opening scene in Mad Men has that same vibe. You're immediately like, ooh, I'm in a crisp Bond world. Oh, it's so crispy. And she just sits beautiful. I've, yeah. I, I hadn't heard her sing like that before and mm. it was just gorgeous. So that to me, stand out. Other thing I loved, piercing blue eyes. Oh, do you think they enhanced much of it for the uh, for the movie? Oh, they- yes, of course. Mm. The colouring of this film in general, the cinematography, just amazing. Yep. And the, the colouring of his eyes in all the different scenes, just uh, so great. I think great. there's also a reason behind, which we'll... We can talk about in spoilers if we're doing spoilers. There's yeah, a can reason we do behind. Spoilers? Yeah, let's yeah. just do spoilers. Okay. It's been out around the world for like two Correct. months. And now, Colleen's yeah. can put a link in the time code because I have yeah. many feelings about a lot of things that, yes. that are spoilers. So, so. Because, and this is spoilers, because he has a daughter and they had the same eyes. So I think they really like accentuated the, the blue eyes. The blue eyes. eyes. Yeah, yeah, because they both have spectacular blue eyes. Just in case you haven't seen it and you need a refresher, No Time to Die is a 2021 spy film and the 25th in the James Bond series produced by Eon Productions. It mm-hmm. stars Daniel Craigle. No, his name's Craig, but he does look like a Craig. In his fifth and final outing as a fictional British M16, no, MI6, sorry. No, it's M16, <laughs> like the machine gun. Um, <laughs> also, are, are you not counting the video games where he voiced the character as well? No, I don't, no, I mean, hey. The video game video, Bloodstone? No, I'm not counting that. I don't know. Am I counting it? I don't play video games. I'm I, sure they're great. How dare you? I know they're great. I know people love them. There's not no shade on video games, but no, we're talking about the films. Okay. It's directed by Carrie Joji Fukunaga mm-hmm. from a screenplay by Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, and Phoebe Wallabridge. What is interesting is because Purvis and Wade have been writing on the James Bond movies since the 90s, and I don't know whether they're really good or really bad. Because they fluctuate so wildly in quality. I'm like, how much are these guys contributing? I honestly can't tell. Because they, they're on all of the films, good, bad. I can't tell. I don't know what's going on. So are they like older blokes? They'd have to be, Who yeah. are kind of there to kind of bring in the bits of Bond that we all recognise. And I then guess. they get excellent um, other script writers both, to come in. I think actually so. there's an even longer list of script writers. Yeah. I think there was like 15 Sorry, they started on um, The World Is Not Enough. Which was in ninety nine. So which is a doing Pierce for, Brosnan. Yes. Yeah. Which is it's it's okay. So they've been doing it for twenty years. They've worked on the best and the worst. So it's hard so to strange. know. It's so yeah. interesting, isn't it? Yeah, because they do really wildly fluctuate. I mean, I even think the first one of these with Daniel Craig was my favorite. Yeah. Casino Royale. Actually, I don't know. I'm torn. I actually do think this is my favorite now. Because of the female characters, which I'll get to. Now, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, for those who don't remember, if you've been living under a rock, wrote Fleabag, which is one of my favourite TV shows of all time. Um, And she is just, you know, obviously very celebrated, particularly 2020 was like her year. 
Now, Phoebe was brought on, I think, to really deliver fully developed female characters that also invert the tropes of the Bond girl archetype. Oh, okay. Which has been a staple since the franchise's 1962 big screen debut with Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Correct. That's my Sean Connery. Sean Connery. I hit my wife, I'm Sean Connery. (laughs) no. He does. So just in brief... In this film, Bond, who has left active service with MI6, mm-hmm. is recruited by the CIA to find a kidnapped scientist, which leads to a showdown with a powerful adversary. adversary. And now they kind of find him in um, Cuba, yes. sort of hanging out by the beach. He's, you know, having a good time. Correct, exactly. Though the opening sequence with, is um, very dramatic. Oh, it's very good. It's one of the best opening sequences I think they've had. Correct. Uh, the, the action in general in this is is very good. They're all very good. They're all very good and very varied as well. They are yeah. absolutely. So it opens with him um, with his returning love interest Madeline, who's played by Leah Sado, mm-hmm. and she is brilliant. Her outfits in this as well. I want to talk about the costumes in a minute because some of my favorite things about the costumes. Oh my goodness! Amazing. So she is now a psychiatrist, um, and it actually opens with a flashback of her childhood. What did you think of that? Good. Yeah, well, the thing is about the character of Madeline Swan, who she plays, Mm -hmm. she was introduced as like the new love interest in the last movie. And I don't think you've seen Spectre, but it's not very good. (laughs) And I didn't believe for a second that he would give it all up for this woman. It's like he doesn't even seem like he likes her or knows who she is. But I think this movie from the very get-go completely turned all that around. Mm -hmm. And it's that's, again, from that last movie, that wasn't a slight on her. Or him even. It's just they it didn't it didn't work at all. And when he's like, I'm walking away, I'm not gonna do this anymore, it's like, why? Like he has a chance at the end to shoot his brother, you know, his brother in, in the end, yeah. you know, you see he's got the one eye, or whatever. And he's just like, I just won't. And he retires. And it's like, why wouldn't you? You've killed like four hundred people. Why wouldn't you kill this guy? Like this is the guy if you're gonna kill anybody. Um, but as I said, it's good. Why do you think that they make it believable that Madeline and he are, you know, he would give it all up? You know, I don't even know what it is um, this time around. I think they, the scenes between them have more weight. It's like they're in a beautiful vista, which helps. Oh, it's like you know, a the, European holiday, yeah, isn't it? It's just it's, um, spectacular, the scenery. I don't, I don't know what it, I don't know what it is, honestly. Can I, could, I tell if you? I, if I did, I guess <laughs> they do it, in, if, if they knew it, they do it in every movie. But, Can uh, I tell you? Sure, yeah, my, yeah. First up, I think the fact that they open with her with this tragic backstory mm-hmm. where she's also yep. very capable, and yep. this is a spoiler, but she ends up, her mother is shot by this guy yeah. and then she and, and she's all alone in this kind of like icy wilderness mm. and she ends up completely, you know, shooting him and protecting herself and she must be like 10 or yeah, something. Yeah, she's clearly like well trained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they end up, they set her up immediately as his equal rather yeah. than as just like a sexy hot woman. Mm. And and that immediately makes her more interesting. And then the fact that she then becomes a psychiatrist, you think not only is she really capable and incredibly beautiful, but she's incredibly smart. Yes. And I think that that is also not something that you see often necessarily in the bond of old. Yeah. Though, which is one of the reasons I liked Casino Royale. I think even in some of the newer ones it's not like... No, they're you know? women are baubles, whereas yeah. she becomes a very complex character. And then the love scenes between them at the start, they're very vulnerable mm. and she she looks messy-haired and, I don't know, yeah, there's something very believable about that chemistry, which yeah. I think they've really created really well. And I wonder how much um, Phoebe had a hand in that too. Yeah. So the other female characters which I really enjoyed, MI6 field agent turned executive assistant Money Penny is played by Naomi Harris. Oh, Penny's great. Uh, yeah. I kind of... 
It's kind of a shame that they put her on the desk because I don't know if you remember Skyfall. She's a field agent and she shoots James Bond by accident. And, um, and so she gets moved to the desk and she decides to stay there. And the reason she stays there is because in, like, traditionally, Money Penny is on the desk. She's like a secretary. And I think they do more with that with these modern series. But I think you could move her off that. You know what I mean? You, you, totally, don't, need yeah. to, you don't need to have her on the desk. And I think, again, they do do more with it than they have in the past because Money Penny is pretty much designed to come in for James Bond to come in and he hits on her and she, like, batters him away. And that's, like, the role that she normally mm. has. Um, but yeah, but I, but again, I, I, I'd like to see more and yeah. I like Naomi Harris as well. So oh, I think yeah. she played this really well mm. too. I think she was really capable and, and excellent in the, in the role. And there's two new kick-ass contemporary operatives, um, Nomi, who's played by Lashana Lynch yeah. and Paloma, who's played by Anna de Armas. Mm. Now I have so many opinions about both of these two women because they're kind of my favorite characters in this film. Yeah. Do you want to give us your opinion first? They're both great. There was a big, there was a big stink, not from everybody, but a lot of the internet. A big stink. Because they, they're like, they're replacing James Bond with a woman. How, how could they do it? Whatever. And, and, like, and as they go out of their way to clarify in this movie, she's replacing his, like she takes on his number. She's not James yes. Bond. He's retired and the, the number gets passed on. It's just it's the way it is. And the other, so I thought she was great. And the other character is in it for like 15 minutes, maybe not even. And it's just this really fun action sequence and then she just disappears. And both of them are terrific and it's a shame that this universe is probably finished. Oh, is it? They're, aren't they not, they're not making another well, movie with tradition- Naomi Traditionally, as a star? when, you know, without, they'll move, well, they've never, we're doing spoilers, they've never killed a James Bond before, like oh, officially. Okay. And what they normally do is they recast most people. They might keep M. Because um, Judy Dench is a is a carryover from the Brosnan movies, ah. even though it's like a different continuity. But what they they could completely reboot with a new James Bond and keep all of these core characters, I guess. But we don't know what they're going to do yet. Uh, okay, yeah. so we don't know if they're going to make her the lead character or whether they. I don't think they will. I I kind of would like to explore a world without James Bond um, and just because I think there's enough people in this movie where you could move it forward. I think so too. But I don't know how well it would be received or even if MGM would want to do it because they don't, they're really protective of the brand. It's like it's controlled by a family. Like wow, essentially, really? Yeah, but like a couple of people, by the Broccoli family at this point. And even though now it's hey, all, sorry, uh, MGM what? is Bro- called the Broccoli family. They're called the Broccoli family. Yeah. They're called the Broccoli family. I yeah. love that. Uh, so, Hello, I'm Mr. M- Broccoli. MGM is- this is my wife and Mrs. Broccoli. <laughs> MGM- we like to eat greens and celebrate together. <laughs> exactly. These are our teeny tiny broccoli trees. <laughs> MGM is owned by um, Amazon now, but they still have final say in everything. This is our house. We live in yeah. a vegetable garden. <laughs> Sorry. And I think they also would have seen that, like, there's been Jason Bourne spin-offs without Jason Bourne. They did one with Jeremy Renner. It didn't do well. There's been a Treadstone ah, okay. Jason Bourne series as well, which is a, I think it's an Amazon series where it's set in the, the world of Jason Bourne, but Jason Bourne is not in it, so they don't have Matt Damon. So I think they'd be reluctant to do anything outside of putting James Bond in it. I think the most they will do is cast a person of colour. and I don't think they'd go beyond that. And even then I have doubts that they'd even do that. I hope that they do at least I would love cast them a too. person of colour. But I would just, I mean... I would love to see a spin-off yeah. of Lashana Lynch. Hello, podcast dog. Mm. I didn't open the door. Should we open I'll the open door? I'll open the door, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, I would love to see a spin-off. A spin-off? A spin-off. A spin-off. That's my favourite kind of brioche. Do you like brioche, listener? I love brioche. It's delicious. Anyway, so 
I hope they cast a person of colour at the very least. Yeah. Uh, or someone um, with a different diverse background. I mean, pe- people yeah. didn't like it when James Bond was blonde uh, with this last one, so it should go really yeah. well. But interestingly though, right, Daniel Craig was like in all of the lead up to this franchise with him in the character, everyone hated him and hated on him and thought yep. he was going to be just woefully awful. We covered them all recently, all the Craig ones from Caravan of Garbage. But, yeah, it was ridiculous. People were like, there's a moment where they revealed him and he stepped off a boat and he had to wear a life vest because you have to wear a life vest when you're on a boat. People yeah. were like, boo, he's a coward. Why doesn't he drown properly like a man <laughs> or whatever? And it's like he has to wear it. He's not really James Bond. There's health and safety. So weird. Is it because he's played a villain in other films? Well, he wasn't super well known. He'd done like, he was in Layer Cake, which was a kind of a gangster movie. He was the villain in The Power of One. Have you ever seen yes, The Power of One? Yes, that's what I mean. Exactly. Yeah, that's um, where I remember him from. Do you think maybe that's a hangover of that? Maybe. I don't know. I just think, I think there was, the, the big thing was really that he was short. He was like 5'10", mm. which is short for Bond because Bond's supposed to be like 6'1". And he's blonde. That was like the main, the main thing. Yeah, right. really. So but I think he's one of the best, if not the best. Yeah, yeah. he's definitely my favorite. Mm. Oh, I think but he's to, awesome. to be fair, I like eyes all, are great. I like mm. all of them in different ways, and I think they all fit their particular era really well. Yeah, um, Pierce Brosnan is peak nineties. Yeah, totally. And he's look, so I don't, and Sean Connery is of his era too, even though he has yep. not a great track record with, with yeah. women. But you people know. are complicated, you know. They are exactly. No, and I yeah. love Roger Moore because he's like silly and. Yeah. Like he's fun and I like them there's, all in different ways. And there's yeah. a lot of which wouldn't hold up now but I kind of love, like the double entendre that um, oh, in yeah. those Roger Moore movies. Yeah. I love those, oh, he's too coming in for a landing he's, or whatever he's when he's so about fun. to like, you know. And he's a million years old at the end. My, he just looks like a leather handbag at the end. He's so <laughs> but old. But this I is what it. I am talking about yeah, with yeah, the yeah. Sex and the City stuff, right? That men can look like a leather handbag and still be some of the most famous iconic roles in the world. Yeah. And that's what I – all I want for women is that we are able to also look like leather handbags and still be sexy and wonderful. I completely agree. Okay, so I have some feels about the costuming. Okay. Can I talk to you about this? Because this is the other thing I love about these What is this, Mason's two. bloody something something? <laughs> Mason does love a costume. No, so my two favourite characters, Nomi and Paloma, um, I just love them. And I thought it was really interesting that Emmy-winning costume designer behind most of the costumes in this is called Sutirat Ann Lala, mm-hmm. and she said some really interesting things. The first thing that she's quoted as saying is, all of our lead female characters have a very particular strong professional angle. They're not just decorative side dishes. Okay. So in the history of Bond films, all the women have been incredibly glamorous and elegant and very much on display in one way or another, even if they have a more active role in the plot or as a double agent. Mm-hmm. So she had her work cut out for her to create costuming that was functional and allow them to be mobile while yep. also sexy. Now, my two favourite outfits, when we meet Nomi for the first time, she meets Bond in like a Jamaican nightclub and she's wearing a ruched white cotton gauze halter top with ruffles, sculptural overlays and eyelet detail with wide leg pants and these like kick-ass flat shoes. So Very she kind good. of moves in this really liquid way as well and she just looks comfortable in her own skin. Which has just meant that when you watch that film, you immediately believe that she could also be a double agent. Mm. And she picks him up on the back of her motorbike and kind of whisks him away to his beachside joint, which I love, by the way. Oh, incredible. I just want to go and live there. That looks amazing. And then when she whips off her wig to reveal who she is, it's just such a great moment. And the fact that she's wearing pants is just like fucking revelation. You love pants and pockets. (laughs) 
I bloody do, but honestly. Look that's at Roger what... Moore in his final James Bond role. Yeah, he does. Even with his like... leather jacket, his leathery face. You can't even tell where his face starts <laughs> and his jacket ends. It's so true. That's funny. Again, no shade. Love him. Big fan. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, so the fact that she's wearing pants in that scene, I, and I just love that whole outfit just looks amazing. And you can Google images of her riding the motorbike. She just looks Give it a so goat, awesome. Mate. What I love about her character too is that she's cheeky and sarcastic as well as really sexy and just completely capable. And it's obvious that she would be given the 007 yep. you know, number because she's just so good. Or it was just a spare number and they gave it to her. But yes. Yeah. What I also think is interesting about her is, and I talked about this on the Weekly Planner podcast, my more successful podcast, is that she is like him like 20 years ago. She's all the things that he was in like the first movie, you know, just kind of brash and arrogant and confident and like clearly insecure and like finding the feet, at the, finding her feet at the same time. Yeah. All of these things are like a him. So I think he recognises a lot of himself in her and probably vice versa because he's probably like, this is my future, just being a drunk. He drinks so much in this, I love it. He just doesn't stop Yeah, because you said that to me that he's an alcoholic. Yeah, he's an alcoholic. And (laughs) once you said that, I'm just like, yeah, he's bloody in the middle of a battle scene and he's scoffing down shots or whatever. (laughs) And I, yeah, totally. In that way that an alcoholic could do it where you could be like completely cut and still be completely functional. If anything, it would make him feel better. Yeah, exactly. And that brings me to actually my other favourite character, Paloma. So we meet her in a rambling, decadent, art deco style theatre where she's wearing a black floor length, plunging A-line slip dress with sky high slits, which was designed by Michael Losordo. Can you hear how much I love the costumes? No. (laughs) Bond um, is immediately drawn to her as she's so eye-catching. And the joy of the film for me was watching someone so incredibly gorgeous be so incredibly capable in battle. Mm. now, her dress is like so plunging and she's got sky high slits on either side, but she just, this her fight scenes, she's just like at once like bubbly and you feel like she's being given the title of sort of airhead or she's like super nervous and quite young. See, I don't even know if she is or she's just putting it on, yeah, you know? to be kind of Because once, drawing it's, once it kicks something. off, she doesn't flinch like at all. Not Because she's shake, like, I've been doing she? it for like three weeks and it's... I don't know, maybe she's just exceptionally talented, but it feels like she's just lying. She's just like messing with him. Yeah. I actually feel more, maybe that's true, but I think maybe it's more that she's like incredibly capable and good at what she does. But she has, she drinks with him like in a few, they like just swig martinis yeah. back together. I feel like she's one of those people that's really super carefree and cavalier about the way they go into things. And she just looks like she's having so much fun. Yeah. And, and not has a death wish, but just like doesn't take herself too seriously mm. or the world too seriously. And is like there kicking ass and shooting people and just like drinking dry martinis and swanning through ballrooms yeah. and just being like, isn't this bloody fun? I'm on an adventure. And then you know? also there's like a mutual respect and when they leave, they don't kiss. They're just like, this has been great. This I is, love I had that. a great time. Still. Exactly. And he just was like, you were excellent. And <laughs> she was. Like she was. There was no moment of like, oh, what do we do? Yeah. Which as I've said before and I've talked about more in my podcast taunts, so often Reese Witherspoon points out that line, well, what do we do now? And there's none of that. Yeah. And in none of that. I just, it's so good. And it's the same actually with him and Madeline as well. There's none of that of yeah. her being like, what do we do now? Like it's much more complicated than that and she in moments, you know, has the gun. She's she's the one that shoots the bad guy. She is there protecting her daughter um, who, and this is a spoiler, turns out to be obviously his daughter. Yep. And you just believe 
that she's a complicated and at once vulnerable as well person who does also want his protection. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that and no. being vulnerable and wanting Especially protection. Especially because she's pregnant. And they, they yeah. telegraph it at the start because when he, they separate, he she puts her hand on her stomach and you see it just for like a second oh. uh, when she gets on the train. Yeah, at the very beginning. Like, yeah, exactly. And I think that's what... I love so much about it. But anyway, also just love the bloody costumes. Now, the final moment oh, okay. that I bloody loved. She loved it, everyone. I'd, okay, I've repeated that many times. Bond's tuxedo, and actually there's two costumes. I thought you didn't like the tuxedo as much. No, it's grown on me. Oh, okay, because I mentioned on the Weekly Planet, I'm like, you're more of a fisherman outfit. Well, I am. That's what I was getting to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, like, but I have to say I could see the design, and Lala said I spent a good day looking through all of the fabric samples available at Tom Ford, and oh. she said um, I went into a room with 15 or 20 giant binders that were a foot thick with fabric samples on each page, thousands of fabric samples to hone in on what I thought would be the iconic suit for him. And when you look back at pictures of it, I mean, there is not a finer suit out there. It's something about the I, weight of the fabric. It's amazing. I think it's the I mean, Mason talked about this because Mason's all about this, like fabrics and textures and lapel cuts and all that shit that I don't understand. <laughs> but he, like, it's probably his best wardrobe in general, I think, in this. Because we always, again, the thing we always talk about is how he, he normally has got like a like a teeny tiny suit. Like he looks like he's sewn into <laughs> it like a corset, you know, because yeah. he's enormous. You yeah. know, and, and so, but I think they really found a good balance of like casual and formal attire in this one. Totally. And mm. the fisherman outfit is my yeah. favourite. Oh, oh, yeah. You went, foie. Yeah. Look at this, you said to yourself. Foie. <laughs> my goodness. Well, it's just there's something about seeing him like barefoot in a scrumpled old T-shirt and shorts kind of all tanned and sandy footed, like carrying fish and just like walking around a tropical island looking very comfortable in his own skin and like someone who's been kind of like lounging around, working hard in the heat, getting fish and then drinking in dark bars. You know, I don't know. I just loved it. And they just chose the most perfect old T-shirt and these like navy shorts. Yeah, perfectly (laughs) chosen, you know what I mean? Yeah, which you said to me and I thought was so interesting or maybe I read it somewhere. I'd never thought about that like – as a film producer or a f- costume, oh no, it was a friend of mine. I met one of her friends who was a costume designer, and she said she could spend two weeks just looking for one old T-shirt. Yeah, absolutely. Just to have the exact right neckline with the exact right fabric, and then you age it in this like in this way. Yeah. It's a whole art form. It's almost so, like a little midriff top he's wearing as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Ooh. Overall, I really enjoyed it. Well, that's basically our whole episode. Is it? Yeah, it's like 30 minutes. Um, I also thought, again, I, I, I liked how they killed him. And I think because this is very much like a closed universe. Um, all the other James Bonds are connected. They're all essentially the same guy. Like that's the idea. And this one is is entirely separate. And I think they really, and in doing that, they were able to like obliterate him at the end, which I really appreciated because, you, you know, why not? There's been 25 movies, you know, officially. There's been a couple others unofficially, but... Yeah, just kill him. Kill him in one. That's fine. That's okay. And I think also like a guy like this, whether he existed in the real world, whether he exists in the real world or whether he's, you know, the fictional man, this is probably how he was, you know, he's, he would die. He would end up this way. You know, he's not, he, a guy like that doesn't last forever. You know, he can't. He's yeah. He's just he's just going to take a bullet one day. He's like one of those old dogs that's missing a leg and yeah. missing an eyeball and like still limping on. It's also interesting because unlike some of the other ones, they don't really the other ones don't really acknowledge how old he's getting often. But this one, like, and they kind of do it really quickly. They do it in like the second one where they're like, "You're a dinosaur bond. You're from a different age or whatever." But they really lean into like 
yeah, he's like 50. Like it's, <laughs> he's got a bad knee and he's a drunk. And I just, uh, I think there's a, you can do things with him with vulnerability of getting older and like being attached to people. Cause once you remove that stuff, he's, he's not as interesting to me at least, you know, Yeah, I feel. And look, I also, I love the James Bond stories that are just like a standalone adventure where he just, there's a whatever and he has to stop a thing. But with these ones, they've always leaned on like a law and they'd always tied into the previous ones heavily, which the other ones didn't really do. And I think this last movie was a really played to that strength. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, it is. It's really good and so worth watching. And it's just escapism too, yeah. right? Like it's such a pleasure to be in that world. And I'm not a big action movie violence kind mm. of person, but I loved it. Actually, one person we didn't touch on was Jeffrey Wright's character, Felix Slider. Yeah. Oh, he's so um he's the new Commissioner Gordon in the new Batman movie oh, really? as well. Yeah. Love that guy. He's terrific. So um yeah, he's because he hasn't been in a Bond movie since two thousand and eight. And you also get the sense that, like, even though you haven't seen him since 2008, they're, they're mates, like they know each other and they've got little games that they play and in-jokes and whatever. Yeah, so. and there's this really witty kind of back and forth and yeah. there's a scene where they're just leaning on a bar stool while he's smoking a cigar yeah. and it's just they're kind of like, yeah, we're going on an adventure. Yeah. And it, yeah, I love it's fun. it. And I like how Bond's a lunatic and I was also paranoid about everybody because he should be. Because he kind of is a serial killer. He's a serial killer. Well, that's what I, I again, I've, again, I'm repeating myself. Yeah, but that's exactly the, the, the kind of but, the bad guy in this yeah. is saying, right? James yeah. Bond, with probably the exception of Roger Moore, like is a psychopath with the sheen of like modern civility and like, you know, high class and all these kinds of things. But he's not really that. Like he's a fucking animal, like dressed up. You know what I mean? Yes, um, correct. And yeah. again, he does have like emotions and he can feel things or whatever, but he's just using like queen and country to murder people because he's a fucking lunatic. Yeah, totally. Like he has, he, you know, he has no empathy for most people, like at all, doesn't care. Which is so you know? interesting that he's such a loved character. But I think that's what's good about him as well because he sucks. <laughs> like, that's what so I he's like complicated. About him. Yeah. And he's not all good or all bad yeah, either. It, and again, yeah. like unlike, you know, the real MI6, which is kind of like a like a pack of buffoons, it seems like a lot of the time. Like he is necessary in this fictional world. You know what I mean? A yeah. guy you you need a guy like that again, in a fictional world to do these things, you know? Yeah. I mean, and I wonder whether you need a guy like that in the real world and we just don't know about it. Probably, you know? <laughs> you know, the more I get into yeah. sort of Russian espionage and reading about, I don't know, the underbelly of all of the government organisations yeah. and things, I think, Jesus, lots we don't know. Anyway, that's it for The Bond. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Um, I wanted to just do a few little tiny Christmas Well, maybe things. I could do a recommendation, Claire. All right. Go for it. <laughs> do you want me to? Yeah, why not? I could do a quick come, one. How much we've time done we a got? long episode, but that's, that's right, cool. Fine. We'll just do a long one. Um, I, well, I can say this for next week. It's fine. I don't mind. Nah, let's All go right. for it. Uh I watched a show, a YouTube original, uh, six episodes. It's called Best Shape of My Life. 
And it stars one Willard Carroll Smith Jr. Do you know who that is, Claire? It's Will Smith. Oh, it's Will Smith. Smith. And I saw this come up and I'm so excited to watch it. So Will Smith famously like got out of shape. He put on 20 pounds um, or a bit more because he's in that uh, Venus and Serena Williams movie that's coming up. So he kind of put on a bit of weight and then COVID happened and he didn't drop it or whatever. And you would have seen the images of him like being out of shape that he posted online or whatever. And he's got a bit of a bit of a belly and whatever. But even then he's still... He's like Will Smith. He looks like a normal man. Like, yeah, he looks exactly. like a normal man looks. So the idea is that he wants to drop like a pound a week for 20 weeks to get back into the best shape of his life. And also at this point he's like, he's like 51, 52 or whatever. Uh, he's also writing a book at the same time, his, uh, his memoirs, which are probably now available. So that's a big part of this as well. So the idea is to like break, like to break him down as a person and get a peek inside about like his public persona and his private persona and all these, and all these strengths and his faults and what drives him and his what his father was like and his mother and what he's like as a parent as well and, and his marriage. Look, it's mostly about him selling a book, if I'm honest. It's mostly like, it's mostly that. It's less about like, and then I did this and I ate this and whatever and I got in shape via this and I used this particular method. Like you see him kind of exercising, but if you're looking for like proper tips, that's not what this is. And it does honestly like feel contrived and like very manuf- manufactured in places, even though it's like, we're seeing behind the curtain of Will Smith and look, he's having a breakdown or whatever and he's had enough and it's like how much of this is real and whatever, but it's still all like, you know, pretty entertaining. Uh, so, but yeah, um, it's interesting to see like him at this age because, you know, he was the, he still is, like one of the biggest stars in the world. His movies like used to consistently make bank and now it's a bit more hit and miss, you know what I mean? Like his skills have never been in doubt in terms of like his acting ability but his movies aren't always big and you see him kind of struggling with that nowadays and just like personal things. And it's, it's all in all, it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. And it's not also a triumph uh, in total. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of a spoiler, but it gets to the end and it's kind of like, maybe this wasn't great, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I think they've got some very clever marketing teams yeah. around those guys. And also they are very smart themselves. I'm talking not just about Will Smith but also about Jada Pinkett Smith. Oh, yeah. The, well, the whole family, they're all yeah, you know, that way, yeah. Fascinating. I mean, Jada Pinkett Smith does these things called the Red Table Talks mm. on Facebook, which is kind of like a TV show on Facebook. And she's always talking about, you know, really hard-hitting kind of awkward conversations around race and um, culture and, and gender identity and, sex, and I mean, marriage yeah. and sex. Exactly. Like she really goes there with it. She um, goes there. She goes there. But also what's interesting is recently they they kind of talked about how they've had an open marriage and their relationship and how she's had sex with other people and had a relationship with yeah. someone else and, you know, all of that kind of stuff I think is really interesting. Um, what I think is interesting as well um, is that it's less advertised or publicly known, but he was also like they were split. Like he wasn't abstinent. Like he was also sleeping with other people. Yeah. They'd, like, they'd split, like properly split or were on a break. Yeah, but no, no. But I actually think it's come out recently that they still have an open relationship. Oh, maybe, yeah, you're probably and right. And that yeah. he... Whatever yeah. works for you, I guess. And that she doesn't believe in monogamy, I don't yeah, right. think, in the classic sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's really interesting. I also find um, him fascinating for what you said about how he's got this kind of Prince of Bel-Air, funny, goofy, yeah. very likeable, down-to-earth, warm persona, but then he's also got the complete other side of him which is like this like achieve at any cost super driven yeah. super and you find out where a lot of that person. all comes from as well 
Um, okay. It's mostly his father. But uh, it always comes always back to the parents. Is. Oh, God, what will our kids be saying in 20 years? Oh, that sounds great. Where can we watch that? It's on YouTube. They're like 20 minutes a piece, the episode. The best shape of my life. Yeah. Cool. But it's not, again, it's not about that. Excellent. It's about a book. And by the end, I'm like, maybe I'll get this book. I probably won't. But I'm like, this is a pretty good advertisement for a yeah. book that Sometimes I probably won't read. They're very clever with their marketing. What they're doing. Um, and the cover's really nice. They reveal the cover and I'm like, it's a pretty good cover, actually. <laughs> good cover. Excellent. Well, anything with Will Smith on it, ooh. Do you know who I – one of the movies I love with him in it is iRobot. Oh, really? I just really enjoyed that movie. I'm not quite sure why. I just really enjoyed it. I didn't uh, – I don't think I've ever – I don't know. I have seen it, but I've only seen it once. I never watched it. Yeah. Again. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I've but I used to watch it quite a bit. I just really enjoyed it. Mm. Now, a few listeners have re- written in to me, written in um, to gmail.com, saying that they would like Christmas present recommendations. And just to continue my theme, because I've already done this previously, I thought I would recommend a few little more ones for anyone oh, out there. Get okay. your little hot little ears out with your little pens because we're only, ears. what, six weeks till Christmas. So, you know, but it's a good amount of time to get yourself organized because I'm all about get your present buying in early so you can get something thoughtful and really knock your socks off your partner or Absolutely. loved Absolutely. You know, I think this is more for particularly maybe like a close partner, a romantic partner, or a parent, someone that you think, you know. Anyway, a romantic parent. These are my recommendations. So one is a book that I'll talk about on another episode called Love Stories by Trent Dalton. Just trust me, it's brilliant. You need to buy it. And it's sort of the book of its time, of our time at the moment. It's what we all need to read. And he's brilliant. He wrote Boy Swallows Universe and also All Our Shimmering Skies, both of which are excellent. And this book is no exception, Um, but I'll talk about it on another podcast, but I would just buy that as a gift. Cool. The second one is a locket that I bought for myself because I was feeling down in the dumps. And it's a little pricey. So this is for someone very special if you've got the budget for it. It's from a jewellery brand called Astley and Clark. And now they're a UK British ethically made and sourced luxury designer jewellery brand. Um, cool, good. Yep, <laughs> yeah. yep. Love it. Um, they source all of their stones and demi-fine jewellery from ethical sources. And they also support... Uh, charity as well. So there's a two long-term partners they have, Their World, which is a charity that champions women and children's causes in the developing world, particularly in the educating of women and girls. Very good. And they also support the World Land Trust in their mission to protect areas and raise awareness to protect our planet. So they do good and they're also incredibly beautiful jewelry. Now there's lots of options, but one I'm recommending for someone very special, and you will get so many brownie points with this. It's a locket. My one is um, it's the medium-sized sterling silver, and it has a little sapphire in the center of it, but there's lots of different um, designs. You can get one with a world on it or with um, in different, you know, colored metal or whatever. Yeah. But inside you can choose two photos to put in, and then on the back they do an engraving for you. And it's just so beautiful. Even our son was like, whoa. That's cool. It's just it's, that's cool, Mum. He that's said cool. So I put a photo of you and our daughter and our son on it with that your names engraved on the back. But you could put anyone inside there or any special image or photo, and it arrived in like three days. Did it really? Yeah, it was so quick. The postage was amazing. The turnaround was amazing too. 
Um, their customer service is really good. So I just would recommend if you're looking for something extra special, it would be great as like an anniversary present even or a birthday present. They have lots of beautiful jewelry at different price points too. So you can yeah. go over and have a look at have all the a different peruse. ones. Um, but yeah, I would totally recommend that. And they ship to Australia. Amazing. Cool. Yeah. So they're my sort of two cheeky little Christmas recommendations. Um, yeah. Just a cheeky little look. Just a cheeky little, just a few little tips. Do you, you think know? people can uh, actually give this podcast a cheeky little review, Claire? <gasps> After they've already voted for us, are you and the Australian reals? Podcast Awards? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Me. This is from uh, this is from Penelope Q. He says, "My fiance and my new fave with one issue. <gasps> mm. Issue. Just do it in app. It's crazy how you can do this as well. This isn't Penelope saying it. This is me saying it. But now this is Penelope. <laughs> First off, Claire Tonti is the best friend every woman wishes she had. Aww. Funny, smart, empathetic, warm, and witty." I, would, I recommend her podcast, Taunts, for anyone who enjoys her here. James is pretty okay too. <laughs> uh, just kidding. He's great also. Now, here's my issue. I discovered this podcast after hearing about it as a longtime listener of the Weekly Planet. I recommended it to my fiancé who listens to tons of podcasts and actually hosts his own Battle of the Network shows about TV from the 70s and 80s. Shameless plug. My problem is he also loves Suggestible and now always listens to it before me. He also listens to podcasts at two times speed, so I don't really stand a chance, but it's on me, I guess. Time to set my, my alarm to get here first. Smiley face. Thank you for the fantastic work, Claire and James. There you go. Good stuff. <laughs> Feel free to plug uh, whatever you want in the reviews also. Oh, that is the bloody nicest review. So nice. What was her name? Penelope. Penelope. Oh, you can be oh. my friend any old day. Oh. You sound excellent. I want to have a wine with Penelope. She sounds awesome. See, I'm telling you, we have the best bloody listeners. Um, on a side note of the Speeded Up podcast. I can't do that. Glenn and Doyle. Yeah, me neither. Glenn and Doyle posted the most hilarious video of her mum listening to her podcast, um, We Can Do Hard Things in Double Time Speed, and she didn't know that she had it on double time speed. <laughs> so she'd spent six months listening to her daughter's show and didn't have the heart to tell her that she thought she spoke too fast. Ah, uh, that's great. <laughs> oh, makes me laugh so much. That's awesome. Yeah, anyway, so if you would like to write into the show, it's just at gmail.com. We would love you to. And this is an, old, an email from a few weeks ago, about a month ago, okay. from Martin G. Martin G. Hey, Claire and James, I'm a 30-year-old writer from Sweden and last night oh. I dreamt that the three of us were in a throuple. I that sounds awful. Sounds terrible. <laughs> it wasn't sexual, even romantic. Phew. But we were going to raise a kid together. Bold. Don't know how I ended up in that situation, but there I was. We went to the store to buy food for our one-year-old. James suggested spaghetti. I asked, do we one-year-olds eat spaghetti? You both looked at me like I was stupid and Claire said, yeah, that's like the one thing they eat. It was clear that I was the least experienced parent and I got the sense that maybe you were both starting to regret having a kid with me. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that Claire, in my dream, had another son from a previous marriage oh. and she told me that at his christening, her son had gotten married to a mountain goat. <laughs> I surmised that this was considered a very good thing in Australian culture since now if he ever went through a rough patch in life, at least he would always have a goat. That's so true. <laughs> I didn't want to be rude or question this Australian tradition by laughing or asking the wrong thing. So I asked Claire if she was the one who picked out the goat for her son. The mood quickly turned sour. Claire made an excuse and stormed off leaving me and James in an awkward silence. I asked James if I said something wrong, and he explained that Claire's ex and his new wife had picked out the goat without her and that it was a sensitive subject. <laughs> Very complex. Now Claire is going to be in a bad mood for days. James was clearly annoyed with me for being so inconsiderate. Sounds like me. 
Well, yeah. I mean, you are technically – your go-to emotion is annoyed. So I got on my bicycle, the kind of bike where you sort of lie down while riding – and I rode off through the park. I hate those bikes. I know. It's so I always feel like I'm going to squash the people no. where I ride those. Yeah. Bold. I ran over quite a few people since I've never driven one of those in real life. That was the dream. <laughs> Last few months I've been going through a breakup, moving out of my girlfriend's apartment while working late hours to finish my new book. Although I had no mountain goat to turn to during this rough patch, your podcast has really helped me as your banter and love for each other made me remain hopeful that there oh. is somebody or some bodies out there for me who I will one day have just as much fun with as you guys. Thank you for your awesome pod, Martin. I think you're going to be all right. And, look, if that doesn't work out, you can always come and live with us. <laughs> yeah, just make sure you bring a mountain goat. Yeah, yeah. But let me have a say in who you choose. Please, if you oh, I'll be cross. All right, so that's Suggestible Podcast. That's that it. That's it for another Wiki Woo. Next week, Halloween episode, Claire. No, Spooky things. I've already so... bloody done that. I don't have to do that for another friggin' year. But I did say I would watch the thing and I still haven't done it. You gotta watch the thing. I know I said I would. All right. You gotta watch it. I know everyone was saying, Claire, what's gonna happen when she watches the thing? No, what's gonna happen? I'm never gonna sleep again. Great. But I did say I would watch it, so I need to follow through. Yes, correct. Exactly. Well, we are almost into the Christmas season, James. Oh god. I'm so excited. Have you noticed I've been sneaking Christmas in already? Have you? I have. I've been sneaking it in. I haven't noticed anything. Oh, Where have you been I've sneaking been doing Christmas? Christmas recommendations for I presents. went to the show. I thought you meant it to our <laughs> life. I'm like, yeah, you probably have. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, no, no. I haven't put out the decorations yet. I'm not a maniac. You are a maniac. It's only November. Let's go. Okay, thanks to Collings for editing this week's episode. Sorry we for have been to this for podcast. And, I would have uh, fixed that yelling that I just did, but everyone, but he would have got blasted by it. But uh, yeah, so I sorry, apologize. mate. I yeah. know. It's terrible. So long. So long. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.